You are now tuned in to Saved and Woke. Yes, I am. What up, everybody? It's your boy, MSW. That's Mr. Saved and Woke, also known as Juan Enrique Tusei, with another edition, a special bonus episode of Saved and Woke. I usually do afterthoughts after a full-length episode, but, you know, the election happened, so I had to speak on it. Before we get to our interview, there's just, you know, some some things I wanted to, to get off my chest regarding some people's reactions or reactions that I've seen to the election results. So I'm going to start this one with something that I've wanted to get off my chest for a while now, but especially now that most reputable sources have called the race for president-elect Joe Biden and Vice President-elect Kamala Harris. And my message is quite simple. I'm going to start with the, the moral of the story, which is to quit policing Kamala Harris's racial and ethnic identity. As someone who identifies as biracial myself, this is an especially sensitive issue to me. I've seen a lot of people on the internet, uh, particularly, you know, on social media, talking about, basically, and it's always in, these comments are usually in response, almost always in response to people like celebrating the, the, the fact that Trump will no longer be in office and like, man, well, I saw one comment that said, Kamala Harris used to only say she was Indian. Now all of a sudden she's black. All right. So here's my thing with that. Like I said, I'm biracial. A lot of times people will ask me, hey Juan, like, are, are you black? And I'll say yes. And that'll be the end of the conversation. Or I'll just go on with whatever I was doing. Sometimes I'm like, yo Juan, are you, are you, you Hispanic? You Latino, you, you know, you Puerto Rican or whatever. And I will say yes. And that'll be the end of the story because I don't have time to give you a breakdown nor do I feel a need to always give you, you know, my full genealogy just to to get through a conversation. Like if I say, if you ask me, Juan, are you black? And I say, yes, I'm not lying. If you say, Juan, are you you Puerto Rican? And I say, yes, and leave it at that and move on about with my life. I am telling you the truth. Nothing wrong with that. And saying me, me saying, yes, I'm black is not me saying, no, I'm not Puerto Rican. It's me answering your question. But again, like it's, it's, it's dumb, it's stupid. And I feel like it's, it's a distraction. It's such a distraction, a dumb distraction. It doesn't even have anything to do with her qualifications as a potential vice president. Uh, but it doesn't matter now, because that's what she's going to be. Uh, next thing I want to talk about is the fact that, although I do think the stuff about Kamala Harris's race is stupid, I do think it's a valid concern, particularly for for believers. 
um, like people who are concerned specifically with um, uh, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris's uh, involvement in or contributions to to mass incarceration. Um, Joe Biden uh, was very, very heavily involved with the 94 crime bill and Kamala Harris was known as being a pretty, pretty, pretty tough uh, DA in, in California. And I think those are valid concerns as a nation, as a people, definitely as believers. We need to, we need to be ready to, to hold them accountable to the change and the progress that they're talking about in terms of undoing the harm of the 94 crime bill and dismantling mass incarceration. Those are valid concerns. And I think, you know, just because we're excited that Trump is no longer in office doesn't mean that we're completely oblivious to the fact that there's work that needs to be done. And really just another another second moral is quit telling people to, to stop celebrating because there's work to be done. There's work to be done. All right, we, we get it. All right, we live in a complex world and we are complex and uh, grown enough to know that you can be happy about a situation while also feeling or also being aware of just the fact that, you know, things are not ideal, things are not where they need to be. And that even though there's new people in power, unless we hold them accountable, it's not very likely that we're going to see the change that we want. You can be aware of that and you can also be happy uh, about the, the results of the election. So stop policing people's race and ethnicity and stop policing people's reactions to this election, which was a very, very trying time. It seemed like this election cycle was, this whole election period, it seemed like it started in 2016 and it's just now coming to an end. So let people have their moments, all right? Last thing. A lot of people I've heard since Trump started running, people have said this in regards to the Republican Party specifically, but now they're saying it related in regards to Trump that is unchristian to have opposed Trump, to have voted for somebody else. And... I just, I'm just so tired of, at this point of hearing stuff like that. But my question is how? How is it, before, before, I, before I try to explain why that is stupid, <laughs> what I would like, what I would love to ask people and hear their responses, well, if it's unchristian to oppose Trump, how is it the Christian thing to support a president who has cheated on every single one of his wives, including uh, Melania Trump? He cheated on her, as a matter of fact, that people know about it, at least, with a porn star that he didn't pay off to not say anything about it. He brags about how he has, he has bragged about how attracted he is or he is to his own daughter and who has talked about, bragged about sexually assaulting women and grabbing them in their private parts. How is the party that's supposedly the Christian party and supposedly the party that values family values on the side of 
this president? I don't know. And I don't think anybody can give uh, an, an honest response. I think, yeah. Uh, so yeah, quit policing people's reactions, quit policing people's racial and ethnic identities, man. And if for, for all of the believers, like if you walk in love, walk in grace, you know, walk in awareness of the times, walk uh, in prayer and compassion uh, and do what we can to make sure that God's will is done. So now that we got that out the way, we can go ahead and move forward with the interview or my conversation with uh, my cousin Shannon and to my good friend Chelsea Prevet about our collective reactions, hopes, and concerns regarding the election, the tra transition of power, and uh, the future presidency. So without further ado, enjoy. All right, everybody, I am here to talk about what else but the 2020 presidential election with uh, old friend of the show, my fam, Shannon Smith, and an old friend of mine, new friend of the show, Chelsea Privet. Thank you both for for joining us today. Well, thanks for having us. Thank you for having me. Yes, definitely. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and jump right into it and just ask you all what you all's reaction was to... Um, just the the announcement on uh, on this past Saturday, when the uh, the election was uh, was called. Yeah, uh, you want to go first, Chelsea? Sure. Um, I would say for me, um, well, first of all, going into it, I feel like I didn't have. Um, like a super strong reaction because of how slowly this whole <laughs> cycle has been drawn out. Um, because I knew before the election that, you know, it was going to be a longer process than usual because of the increased mail-in ballots. And so um, I wasn't even really watching. <laughs> um, I knew it was close. So I was just like, I'm, I'm just going to not stress myself out by watching like the creep of the <laughs> the numbers um but when they actually did call it again I wasn't watching I got a text message while I was driving from my mentor and <laughs> she said she said the next VP of the United States is a black woman and graduate of an HBCU I am overwhelmed and I couldn't stop smiling. Like I was just sitting in my car and I wanted to text her back right then, but I was like, I need to verify this for myself before I respond. Yeah. Um, but before I could get to where I was going to do that, my older sister FaceTimed me and my younger sister. So we were on three way to let us know that it had been called. Um, so it was, a moment that was more exciting than I expected it to be <laughs> because I usually don't get 
emotionally involved in elections. Um, but I would say that I was a lot more informed going into this election. Um, so I had a lot more convictions <laughs> going into this election. Um, and so I did feel that, that relief of there's, it, it was a glimmer of hope, right? <laughs> and so many people that I follow on Twitter were, um, were voicing what I felt. And that is, we know Biden is not our savior. Like we know the work is not done, but this is a relief, right? <laughs> because we won't have four more years of um, a president who incites violence and overt racism. We don't have four more years of him overthrowing our democracy. And that is a really great thing. <laughs> Um, so that was my reaction. Well, what about you, Shannon? Yeah, for me, uh, it's funny. Like as I look at it, I feel like I'm more excited for Kamala than for Biden. Like, uh, and, and I mean, like, not saying that that's weird, but it's like usually you're like, yes, this is our president, and I'm and I'm and I'm like, great, that's our president now. But I'm like, look at our VP though. Our VP is crushing it. <laughs> like, so, uh, so yeah. For uh, we were, yeah, we were home. Uh, I think the same deal. Like, well, like we weren't exactly watching it on TV, uh, but I think maybe it was Twitter or something like that. Uh, I think maybe you know because I feel like we were refreshing Twitter like every couple minutes because I feel like uh, what was it? Two sixty three. I feel like he stayed at two sixty three, two sixty four in terms of the electoral votes. I feel like he stayed there for like three or four days. Like, so it was just like, bro, like when are they gonna say something? And uh, and so finally, you know, it was called, um, and and I mean, I was, it was just a weird feeling. I was like, okay, this is good. Like, I really wasn't like super excited. Like, even though I mean, you know, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm happy about it, but I was like, okay, this is this is good. Like, I'm glad we don't have, um, you know, I'm glad we don't have Trump in office now. This is good. Uh, we got Biden. I had that same feeling as Chelsea was mentioning where we're like, yeah, he's not going to be like the savior of all, you know, he's not Biden, Luther King. He is, <laughs> uh, you know, he's going to, he's going to, um, you know, he's going to do some great things, but um, yeah. So, you know, I was like, I, I feel, I feel good about it. And then I think it sort of started hitting me like, you know what, celebrate, like celebrate, like you don't really have to do that whole thing of, Hey, you know, this is great, but we still got so much fighting to do. And, and that is true. But it sort of hit me. I was like, yo, yeah, like celebrate, be happy, be happy tonight, tomorrow, whatever. And yeah, it is true. We still have so much to do going forward. Uh, and, you know, uh, just, I mean, from healing one, one stand. And then, I mean, the true other progress of, uh, you know, towards race, towards, uh, decriminalization of being a certain race and you know all these types of things um but yeah and then i think the other part was uh thinking of Kamala uh, some more vp it really hit me i was like yo like our vp is just all the identities that she is it's like you know the first let's say the first woman that's a vp and it wasn't a white woman it's like usually that's sort of like the feeling of like the first woman to be a white woman and then like she broke the ceiling and then from there you know other people come in uh it wasn't a black man or 
you know, a man that is not white, period. It was it was a woman that is also black and um and I'm sorry, so Indian. Yes, uh, Indian. Yeah, that is uh, black and Indian. It is a woman that is black and Indian. She broke that ceiling. Uh, and so that's like powerful, you know, because it's not sort of the assumed identities that first must break the ceiling and then others follow. I'm all of that. I'm breaking it right now. So that was like my sort of feeling and, uh, and everything. Very well said. I was definitely <laughs> celebrating that VP win. <laughs> definitely. Yeah, I felt I felt pretty similar to the both of you. And I think kind of similar to you, Chelsea. I felt more excited about this election than I did in 2008 or 2012 when President Obama won. And a huge part of that is because when he was first elected, I was 18 years old. And that was the first time I had ever voted. And I was and and so I, I wasn't I wasn't aware of I wasn't socially conscious. I, I didn't know about politics at all. I didn't know anything. Like I was not woke at all. But I was happy to have a black president. And but but then even again in 2012, as I was graduating uh, or coming up, where I, I had I had already graduated uh, college. But it was just like each each time in in, in 08 and 2012. I was like, all right, I got the black man in office. My work here is done. Whereas this time I am, I'm, I'm very aware of the work that still needs to be done. However, because of the people who will be in office, I am hopeful that that work will actually get done. Um, whereas like with, with Trump these past four years, not only has like work needed to be done that hasn't been getting done, like he's been like fanning the flames, dousing them in, in gasoline and, you know, just making uh, troublesome situations worse and worse. Like you, I mean, you already said at Chelsea, you know, like inciting violence, dog whistling, at worst, and just straight up supporting and encouraging uh, white supremacists. Um, so yeah, I'm excited. I, I'm definitely aware that you know, like 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 you said, that um, no candidate is is our savior. But um, but just after how horrible the past four years have been, and just just the most recent catastrophe with the, with our country's response to the coronavirus. I was just, I'm just like, okay, like, all right. I do know that this man, you know, that this, that this administration will that believe in science and, and listen to, listen to experts and uh, president Biden himself has experienced dealing with, he has, he has dealt with pandemics him uh, directly. So I am feeling encouraged and uh, like I, I've said this, just posted on Instagram that it, it's okay to celebrate while simultaneously being aware of where, what we need to do. And I not so gently ask people to stop policing people's feelings, like let them feel what they feel 
And, you know, if you, if you're, uh, you know, a little more muted in your excitement, then that's, then that's you. But um, yeah, I'm glad to, to just continue this conversation because one thing that, so on, uh, on election day and the day after, you're talking about stressed, okay? I was stressed because I, I guess, naively thought that because, like I said, because this administration had responded so horribly and inadequately to the coronavirus pandemic that led to just Americans in general dying. I thought that it was going to be much a much uh, swifter decision. And so I looked, I, I, I was on, I was on Google and I just, I had, I searched election 2020 results and I just kept refreshing over and over again to see, you know, what was going on. And I was not encouraged. Okay. It was a lot of red on that map. And I, I do want to say that, you know, as a Christian, I don't think there's, I don't think that Christians have any political home really. And I mean, and this past election, the, yeah, with the last election in 2016, I really felt, and just over the course of President Trump's uh, administration, I have, I do not think that Republicans have shown themselves to be, uh, or the Republican Party, maybe not like Republican voters, but the Republican Party and like the leaders of the Republican Party have not shown themselves to be the, the beacons of the gospel that they often uh, claim themselves to be. Um, and uh, okay, I forgot where I was going with that. But so yeah, I was saying I, I'm, I'm, I'm not just all a, sta a staunch, you know, Democrat or Republican. Um, sometimes I do feel like the way that I my thinking and my like put my 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 views and stances kind of I guess kind of lean lean left, but a lot of uh, well a few of my um, positions do not fit a, like a, a leftist or progressive agenda at all. And I've shared before like I mean that that's that's the that's the difficulty of being saved and woke and black. You know, is is never having that political home, but um. Yeah, I was I was I was scrissed because I knew I was like, man, the the the, the that red guy, he that, that that ain't it, not this time. Um, and I was concerned. I was just like seeing how close it was. I was like, wow, like even the states that were in blue, I was like, man, it was, it was still very very close. And so it had um had Trump won. I, I knew what I was going to post on Instagram. I was going to post a very, very short video. It was going to be pretty sarcastic. And I just was, it was going to be like, you know, just dripping with, with venom, right? I was going to post something. I was going to look at the cameras. But okay. Oh, this isn't who we are. Uh, you know, referencing people's responses to the 2016 turnout. Like, this isn't who we are. And then I was gonna be like, this is exactly who we are. But even though Biden and Harris won, I'm like, you know, I was like, you know, yeah, 75 or 76 million people. Once it's probably once it's all counted, because they're still not done counting all the votes yet, which I think is ridiculous. But 
by by the time it's all said and done, uh, Biden will have received. He has already received a, a record number of votes, and be like 75, 76 million people have voted for him. And I was like, but uh, seventy one million people still voted for President Trump. And so when you see those numbers, when you see like how close it is, I mean, like yes, uh, a difference of four to five million. It's still a lot, but when you consider the total, it's like if you put it up on a pie chart, it's still just it's basic basically 50-50. So, like, how do you all what are your what, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, I'll, I'll go first. This. <laughs> so uh so I mean, yeah, jump jumping partly, you know, what you were saying, you know, how 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 regardless. This, you know, this is this isn't America. Um, I mean, it is like America has always, you know, segregated people by by race or, or you know, put up barriers and different things. Uh, you know, like you're this race, you're that race, you're this, you're that. Uh, because you know, with every label and things like that, there comes like a hierarchy. And if there's a hierarchy, then that means there's somebody who says you matter less, I matter more in the scheme of things. You know, so so I'm like, it it is America. So we can we can say that like we can't do something repeatedly and say this isn't us. It it is us, you know. So that's just how that goes. Um, now, yeah, in terms of like how it still shook out, uh, I mean, yeah, it's it's just wild because with with that many people still supporting him, uh, like I, I was actually having like a, a conversation with some of my uh, some of my line brothers like the other day, and. And something that, that we were coming up with or really talking about, like, I think when we put some of some of those who are saying, you know, hey, I'm, uh, I'm Christian and it's my Christian values and that's why I'm voting for him uh, and all of these things, it's like, I think a lot of people, whether they want to say it or not, uh, if you are saying, okay, it's, it's the Christianity, it's this and that, many are praying, they say we're praying for him, and I think really they're like praying to him, uh, and because like when you when you sort of break it down, to me, I'm, I'm not a biblical scholar, but I feel like the, the only things that I've sort of been like, okay, to actually see God is like God is a blinding light, or God was a burning bush at, at you know at one point. Like those are the things that I've known of. And I think as humans, sometimes it's hard to not be like, okay, okay, I wanna uh, I wanna try to uh, sorry. Uh, microphone issue here but uh but yeah you know some are like i want to try you know they, they want to imagine you know like something with two arms and two legs that looks like them you know so i think like you know to an extent people are like praying to him or whatnot uh so that's a, that's a whole other thing um but but yeah it is it is simplest is it's just wild like no matter what many people died it was a pandemic it wasn't handled correctly many people died that's still not going to stop them uh, from voting for him. Uh, said racist things, did racist things, uh, insulted the military, all of these different things, like whatever it is that you're standing on, I feel like he's violated it at some point. And yet you would still say, uh, this is, you know, this is my person. This is who I want to go with. Uh, yeah, it was, yeah, from there, I was just like, yo, this, this is, this is what it is. And there, at the end of the day, the people now, essentially, once it's all said and done, I mean, the red hats may come off for a lot of people. 
but they just blend more into society because I think you know many of those that were wearing the red hats. I mean, now they're your. I mean, they're going to continue to be in society. They're your coworkers. They're your boss. They're your you know whomever. Uh, just without the red hat now. Uh, so yeah, that's sort of like how I felt. It was like, yo, it's still it's still close, and uh, we've got a lot of work to do as a as a nation. And, uh, you know, I can't comment on all this without mentioning race. And it's, I think it's a race, <laughs> you know, a race thing to an extent. Uh, and I mean, just saying because there are many people who are who are saying uh, this country is looking different, and I don't like that. Uh, and that is a fear because there's a fear that whether subconsciously or whatnot, like I know what it means for me, say the minority here because of how we've treated minorities. And I don't, I want to hold on to this power. I don't want that to happen to me. And I don't think that's going to happen. I, I think literally, you know, the demographic and look of America will change, but I don't think that now means that black people will be the fortune 500 CEOs and we will discriminate against uh, people who are not black or, or you know, not uh, uh, PLC or anything. That's my soapbox. <laughs> yeah. Man, you said you, you made a point I wanted to add something on to. Chelsea, why don't you share your thoughts while I'm trying to gather mine? Yeah, I agree with everything Shannon said. Um like when you think about how close this race was like you can't you can't have this conversation without talking about the church right and and really it's nothing new but what is so damning about this election is like we've had four years of this <laughs> and it still happened right and so it was very revealing that a lot of what is called Christianity in this country is white nationalism. <laughs> and, and it also showed how, um, how one-dimensional people are in their voting. <laughs> Because like you mentioned, Shannon, there are people who are like, well, these Christian values, this is why I'm voting for him. Like they have to vote Republican because these specific values, which nine times out of 10, 9.9 times out of 10 boils down to people's views about abortion and people's views about same-sex marriage. And Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And so so people think because of my views on those two things, I need to vote Republican. And I actually was having a conversation with um, with my dad, actually. And I don't know how he voted. I know how he did last time. I don't know how he did this time. But he was saying, you know, I get all of this mail from these really like big popular white pastors talking about Trump this, Trump that, and it's not even talking about, you know, those Christian values. And so he felt caught between, and I, and I bring this up because I think this is particularly um, for um, Christians who are not white, 
and some who are who who acknowledge um, the the un uncovering I'll call it of racism in this nation that Trump did for a lot of people. Um, so acknowledging that and at the same time like holding these Christian views and I'll put that in quotation marks because not all Christians hold the same views but he described them as basic morality. And I said, it depends on how you define morality. Like he's thinking about these two, like two things, two things saying this is basic morality. And so people are so caught up on that republicanized identity as a Christian that you don't see all of the other things that are happening, right? <laughs> and that these two issues are, are so big to you that you forget the central message of the gospel, right? Because <laughs> to me, if you want to start talking about basic morality, you have to talk about caring for the poor, the imprisoned, right? The orphan, like that's what the Bible says is like basic, <laughs> right? And that's not anything that I've ever seen on a Republican platform. So... I mean, it's, so it was predictable, but still disappointing, you know? Yeah, I, yeah, that was very well said. That's, yeah, predictable, but still disappointing, deeply disappointing. And yeah, when I, when I was watching the, watching the, well, not watching, but just as I was refreshing my, my Google results, I was just like, I guess in between the times I was refreshing, I was just sitting there. I'm like, wow. And I was just thinking about all these people. I'm like, okay, so y'all just, racism just is not a deal breaker for you. Racism is not a deal breaker for you. And I think Monique, she actually has the book back here. Uh, it's not on this shelf, but <laughs> it's called dying of whiteness mm. and so not only is racism not a deal breaker for you racism is you're more more loyal to racism than you are concerned with your own well-being because and i think uh, i was uh, maybe like a last month or a couple months ago the UNC School of Social Work had, you know, Reverend Reverend Barber as a guest. I had to, I was trying to I was going to try and say his uh, first name, but I always say Tiki Barber, the football player. When I try, yeah. is it <laughs> so? Barber? Just Reverend Barber. Yeah. Is it Reverend so Reverend Barber? I I think so. Yeah. We're gonna go with that. <laughs> so. Reverend Barber came virtually, of course, and he was explaining to us how conservatives use racism not just to disenfranchise 
black people, other minorities, but then to to dupe uh, poor and working class white people out of the government and social services that not just would help them, but that they need, like the one on the table now, healthcare. Um, so in in the book Dying of Whiteness, one of the people that was interviewed. So he just uh, the the writer the author I I don't remember his name because I haven't read the book myself but I've read excerpts from it. the The writer he was interviewing a man who was staunchly against Obamacare, even though I think he was actually eligible for it, but he but he just chose not to take advantage of it because he was just so against it. And in, and by the time he had finished writing the book, that man was dead. Mm. And so. Like, I think a lot of times we talk about when uh, sometimes uh, Democrats talk about how like the poor and working class uh, Republican people are voting against their own self-interest, like, you know, socially and ideologically. But it's like, no, biologically, like physically, you are voting against you are voting against something that will save your life something that will enrich your life, something that will, you know, that could potentially free you from, from, from the weight of poverty or from food insecurity. And because like, I mean, I'm one, one of the main, I guess, I guess maybe the, the diabolical genius behind it is because when you think of, when you think of poverty, like the media and society has, has, trained and programmed all of us that when you when you say poverty that you think of somebody you think of a person of color and statistics are manipulated in a way that it gets you to, that it that it quote unquote proves that um, because you know like a, a larger portion of minority communities are living in poverty or living in uh, food insecurity uh, as when compared to their, to, um, to white people. But if you just look at the raw number of poor people, there's more poor white people than every other race. And that's because yes, the, 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 the percentage of that, of that white population is a smaller percentage, but it's a larger, <laughs> it's a, it's a larger body that, that, that you have to pull from. So I think there's like 40 million, like uh, nationwide, 40 million white people living in living in poverty. And so there's more poor white people than everybody else. But we think of poverty and uh, we think of social services or what people call welfare as as uh, as programs, as handouts for 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 lazy black and brown people. Um, but it's like no, like like the people who benefit the most are white people because there's more of y'all using this using these programs than anybody else and i just it's i mean they they i mean rich racists have done a good job of of of, of fooling people and it just but when i bring it back to you know the the church I think you hit the nail on the head, Chelsea. We said so much of so much of what we call Christianity is really just white nationalism. And 
I remember once once Mike Pence he was speaking. I can't remember. It was if it, it might have been like Liberty or it was at some some Christian university, and he was there to talk about. He was, yeah, he was there to talk about you know Christianity and the gospel, and he but he didn't mention anything. Uh, he didn't mention the he didn't he didn't he didn't quote a scripture. He didn't reference Christ. All he talked about, all he talked about were these conservative political talking points. And he didn't mention like no, no, no Bible reference, no, no mention of Christ at all. No mention of grace, no mention, you know, of, of, of our sin, no mention of, uh, of our call to, you know, to love our neighbor as ourselves. Um, and definitely not, not any mention of, of considering the least of these, you know, whom Jesus, that's, that's who Jesus, you know, aligned himself with. But I see so much of white Christianity aligning itself with just this, like the overlords of, of society. And I really don't know what we can do to, to cure that. I've seen a lot of posts on like Twitter and Instagram saying, you know, before we can have a unified nation, we have to have a unified church, which is true. And I, I liked all those posts when I was, I was like, eh, like, yeah, amen. But then I was like, well, how are we going to do that though? Because I'm like, you like, uh, Chelsea in our last conversation. So, I mean, this will be the first conversation that people hear between you and between us, but, and our first conversation, which we'll post after this, um, we talked about how so many believers find just innocuous, uh, well, they, they, they're offended by things that are just like basic, like, you know, uh, understanding uh, intersectionality. Like not only do they refuse to do it, but they think that just using the term is is evil and just being averse to critical race theory. Um, and I'm just like, man, so you so you're not even gonna like if you can't even acknowledge how racism is at play, not just like in, in the church and in the American church specifically, and just in society. Like, how how in the world is the church going to be to be unified? Because I mean, like. If you profess Christ, if you pro- profess the, uh, the the God of the Bible, like you you believe that Jesus, that you know that we were uh, that we're all sinners, and that it's only because of Christ's finished work that we have um, when we believe in that work, uh, that finished work, that you know we can be reconciled to God. Then you know the Bible says that we are brothers and sisters in Christ, and I'm like. But if you don't believe that my life matters, how can I be unified with you? And I, I, as a social worker, I'm very like solution oriented because I want to fix stuff. And this is one of those situations I'm like, I really legit honestly have no ideas. And I'm wondering if y'all have any. So I'll say something about that. Um... 
I want to say this, but I'm also going to give you a heads up. It's not a solution. Um, because like, and I, I read somebody, a black woman posted on Twitter. She posted this whole thread that was really good, but she was saying like, white people do your work. <laughs> like white people in the church do your work because black people have done a lot of work and y'all don't listen. <laughs> And I thought about that and I was like, you know what, she's right. And if your theology, there's something about your theology that says I shouldn't be listened to, that I don't have um, the spiritual insight that you do, um, then how am I going to be effective in talking to you about anything? And the sad thing is, like I, I talk about race professionally, <laughs> like it's a thing that I do. I'm talking about to white people about race all the time. And I have the most productive conversations with people who aren't Christians. <laughs> and again, disappointing, but because I've been so immersed in that tradition, sadly, it, it's not super surprising, right? <laughs> Disappointing again, but not surprising. Um, because really like when it comes down to it, like a lot of, a lot of Christians are so used to being told what to believe that they don't, consider the facts right <laughs> they don't consider reality because they're so ultra spiritual and so you can present an academic who is not a christian the facts and they'll be like oh i never thought about it like that um and i know how emotionally taxing that is like having those conversations are so i'm not invested in having these conversations with conservative Christians who are just so convinced that they are right. That's not, that's not my ministry. <laughs> I love it. Thank you, Chelsea. Yeah. And one of, one of my thoughts with it as well is um, this, this was actually a conversation that uh, a cousin of mine was actually having on Facebook. So I uh, Shout out to uh, to Kim Norris if uh, Kim's listening. Uh, but but this this is a conversation. Uh, so she was mentioning that I think a lot of people as well they because as we mentioned they're not voting in their best interests. So a lot of people they're voting for who they think they are as opposed to who they actually are. Uh, and I think that's one of the big veils of whiteness that's got to be mentioned as well. Because, you know, whether whether people want to admit it or not, too many, they assume it doesn't matter how much money I have or don't have, uh, what I where I work, where I don't work, you know, whatever. Because of my skin, and this is saying if they're, you know, if they're white, because of my skin, I have this advantage. I have this leg up. Uh, so even though they might be like, you know, yeah, sure, white, quote unquote, white privilege isn't a thing, you know, they might say, but, but there, there's still this mentality that, like, I know I'm going to be all right, you know, so... So, but this was mentioned though, because uh, I think of like my hometown, like my hometown, I I haven't really looked at all the stats and everything, but I know they went red. Like, it's just one of those, it's, it's a given, they went red. 
uh, our county, it's a given. They went red. Uh, and so we, we look at like a lot of people back there and I'm comparing this to like a lot of these maybe rural places. Uh, I mean, to some conservative Christians as well, just a lot of people like if you aren't one of those people making a, a whole lot of money, a lot of times you're looking around you. And you're like this area that I live in, like I'm considered like middle class here, middle class, maybe even upper middle class because maybe I'm in this small town. I'm, you know, whatever it is, uh, some of these things I have. Uh, and so when you say something about. Uh, and this, uh, you know, this is race is a huge part of why these things are happening. So I don't want to deter from race, uh, but I'll throw this in there as well. Uh, I think, you know, those things that they're saying, like, oh, yeah, this is going to be a tax that's going to happen. This is going to be something I think a number of people, they are they are thinking, OK, that's going to affect the middle class. Man, it's going to that's going to affect me. Bring it to the national scale. They're not talking about you like you, you are you're 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 maybe lower middle class, possibly working poor. Uh, but it's just, you know, on the national scale, that is where you are like you're we're not talking about you. Uh, and so but because of, you know, the proximity and maybe the little town or whatnot, they're like, I'm doing fine here. I got, you know, my house is this big. I got this. This is paid off because um, cost of living is low. Uh, but yeah, on a national scale, finding that like, no, 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 these things are for like the rich, like these tax breaks, these or whatever they are. No, 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 they don't apply to you. Uh, you know, so so I think that's one of the, you know, one of the reasons that sort of comes out as well. People are uh, voting for who they think they are versus who they actually are. Uh, and like I said, that's, I think, one of the the myths of whiteness as well, where it has uh, not only just because of cost of living, but simply there's just this feeling of, I have, you know, I deserve this thing. I know I, you know, I know I'm gonna be looked out for, you know, something like that. And that's not necessarily the case. That's a good point. <laughs> yeah. I, I like what you said, like in terms of like voting to for who they think they are versus who they really are. It reminds me of a quote, I'm paraphrasing here, saying like, we have to, you know, pray for our brothers and sisters who believe themselves to be white. And, and that's not talking about people of color who think they're white. It's talking about the people who are white, who think that they're white, because, you know, talked about this before, you know, that whiteness is a, is a social construct and whiteness, the, the superiority of the false superiority of whiteness is based off of the false inferiority of black people and all, all other races. So if your whole identity if you believe you're white, based off the American definition, that means you you think that you're better than all of these other people, all these other groups, especially black people, and you think that you are superior, and you think that you have access to this, and you think that you have you have access to all of these, <clears throat> like what you were saying, Shannon, like all all of the benefits that society's taught us to show, like are uh, available to white people. You think you got access to all those when really you don't. First of all, you're not you're you're not superior. You're just a person. You're not you're, you're definitely not inferior, but definitely not uh, superior. And I, I'm I'm just floored with how people people just like you mentioned tax breaks, and so like the the tax break for you know middle income people. Like everybody's always talking about you know, getting that refund check, getting that refund check. 
Okay, like within the, within this within this administration, man, that that benefit was cut. I mean, I was I was watching videos where people were just crying and in tears because like they counted on that check every year to just keep them ahead and just keep 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 them floating, keep their heads above water, and to kind of make some headway into into you know build and building building their wealth. And that was cut. Those benefits that were cut under this administration, but who got more tax cuts was more millionaires, people who were who already had lots of money. And you think it's just like simple math and like simple facts, but like, yo, didn't you just see that these people got this cut and, and, and you didn't? Anyway, we could talk about that uh, all day, um, but let's, uh, my last question, which is what hopefully will be, you know, kind of hopeful um, is like, what are you, what are you all's, what are you all hoping for? And maybe even concerned about in terms of one, the, the transfer of, of power from this presidency to the next and like what you, what you're hoping for or concerned about for uh, about like regarding the next administration. Uh-huh. I hope they do a complete recount uh, of everything because I want to see Trump lose twice. Uh, that's how I feel about that. Uh, so, so sure, I'm with it. Let's do a complete recount of all the states, all the things. Uh, I want to see him lose twice. So, um, that's something I'm hopeful for. Uh, <laughs> uh, but no, like few, you know, and, and like future wise, uh, I'm. Like, my goodness, I'm just, I'm hopeful for really just everything improving to, you know, to some extent, uh, because even like the main, uh, like, already, um, there's this sort of, we're, we can start back getting into the mindset of what's considered, quote unquote, normal for a presidency, for a government, because, you know, uh, like, he's not even officially in office and started the job yet, but he has already been like, all right, so here's my like task force for the coronavirus. And it's like all like actual scientists and people who know what they're doing. Um, he already released, I think it's like a four, maybe like his four main things that he plans to like work on. And it's things like towards the environment, um, things toward um, well, social justice in general and just like a number of things. Um, and he's probably not going to have one person that he's like related to actually having one of these offices that's, that's frankly undeserving. So, uh, so I, I look forward to that, like this return uh, and already, already like uh, I think Pfizer uh, sent out something where they were like, Hey, like we have something that's basically proven to be 90% effective in treating coronavirus um, already. Now, that's not Joe Biden, you know, it's like he didn't make that, but it's like already we're just like, we're seeing stuff sort of look more promising and everything. Uh, and the other thing I'm hopeful for, uh, I'm hopeful that black women are getting the flowers they deserve. Like shout out to Chelsea and all black women out there. Y'all save the country again, uh, you know, with, with the voting, because uh, I, I forget the numbers, but it looks like the last, like the last two cycles. I mean, it was black women trying their best. It, it didn't quite, you know, work out as we wanted in 2016. But like, like the work they put in. Uh, shout out to Stacey Abrams, just the work that uh, that she's doing, and I know many others fighting voter suppression. So 
just want to throw it out there. Uh, those are some of my hopes. And uh, and I think it's just beautiful that so many like little girls will look at the screen and see like, oh, look, the VP looks like me. Um, and, you know, I, I won't bite into go through all his terms, but let's say if something did happen, uh, it would be like, oh, look, the president looks like me. Uh, you know, so those are some of the things I sort of look at. Yeah, I um I agree and I'll I'll start with my concerns um because I I was recently reading an article in the Atlantic. It was really good because it explained um what I think most people don't know about the election and this transition period between election day and inauguration and all of what are typically considered formalities because of um, President, President Trump's refusal to concede are no longer just formalities. And so there are a lot of <clears throat> intermediate steps um, that I think most people don't know about that I didn't know about until this week, this weekend, um, where that are really vulnerable points um, in terms of making this a smooth transition. Um, and one of the things that stood out in the article to me was that it said, our constitution doesn't, um, doesn't have measures written in to ensure a peaceful transition because it presupposes it. And so now we have a sitting president who is determined not to make this a peaceful transition and we've never had to deal with this before and there's nothing on the books to say what to do. Um, and we also have not just President Trump, but all of the people in, that he appointed to this administration that are his yes men, right? And all of the people who were um, elected to Congress this election cycle as well, um, who are, you know, despite the results are still holding on to this narrative that Trump has written over the past four years. Um, so it's, it's a setup for um, more difficulties that um, the Biden-Harris administration will have to deal with, um, but I am hopeful. <laughs> I am hopeful, um, particularly because um, I think by and large, um, you know, even though, you know, Trump has his rhetoric and his base about, you know, how the election, needs to be recounted and all of that stuff. Um, you know, the media is not pretending that, <laughs> that this could, that the election results could change. Um, I think, I think a lot of people are very clear about that. Um, and like Shannon said, like, um, the Biden-Harris administration, like they, they've already gotten to work. They know what needs to be addressed first they I think they know how to prioritize and they know how to put people in place um, who are actually experts in that area <laughs> you know we we um, will have an administration that listens to scientists again um, and an administration who cares about education again um, 
And so those are the first things that come to mind um, in terms of the things that I'm looking forward to. Yeah, so I, I, I agree with you both. Uh, Shannon, I really like what you said about just seeing him lose twice. I actually heard someone else say, it's like, you know what? Yes, go ahead. Go ahead and recount the votes. And so that, you know, he said, we'll probably, we'll probably win. He's like, definitely he'll, he'll win again and probably buy more <laughs> this time. Um, not because of some, some, some fraudulent balance that were added in, but it's like, oh no, we're going to count these correctly this time. And we're going to, you know, all of the votes will be in and you see, yeah, you definitely lost. Um, I, um, I do share this, the same concerns that you mentioned, Chelsea, because it seems like the more I learn about our process, the, like the, uh, the, the transition process, the more concerned I, I do get for uh, all the reasons you said. And it, and it seems like the, what you laid out, I was like, it seems like it was designed to just let a maniac run wreak havoc <laughs> whenever they felt like it. Because like you said, there's no requirement. You don't have to concede. It's a formality. And without that concession, all of the other things like, you know, these electoral votes, usually once the, once the, uh, once one party concedes or once one campaign concedes, then, you know, you don't have to worry about the electoral votes because they're just going to go where they're going to go. But I, I, I learned about something called, uh, like referred to as a faithless voter or, cause it has, there have been times in history and very rare times in history when, those people who are who who actually placed those electoral votes, so the electoral voters didn't vote according to how they were supposed to. So, like the the Democratic or Republican uh, electoral voter voted against what they were supposed to do, which will, like would directly diminish the amount of electoral votes that a candidate could receive or increase the amount, and um, just just the pathway, like there, there is a pathway that um, uh, someone could take that would like lead the uh, the House of Representatives to have the uh, to have the states reconvene and then choose choose the House of Representatives by state. And the, the thing with that is like although there are more more citizens who reside in blue states there are more individual red states and that, that, that vote would not be based off of population. It would be based off each state would get one vote. And so if you just, if you already have more red states than blue, then you know how that's going to go. Um, and I'll include uh, Van Jones did a video explaining that and I'll include a link to that in, in the description. Uh, however, because, and I will let you, I will, you know, just forewarn you. It's, it, I mean, it, it shook me, but I'm not going to leave you all with that. Uh, so the one thing that is encouraging me is just the, just almost the, the comedic incompetence of Trump's uh, lawyers, his legal team. Um, I'm thinking, so uh, was it uh, Rudy Giuliani had a, he had a press conference at the Four Seasons. And I'm pretty sure he thought he was at, the, they were thinking it was going to be at the Four Seasons Hotel, which is a very, very nice hotel, but it was at Four Seasons Landscaping in Philadelphia. 
It was in the alley and it did not look good. You can Google it. And not only was it at Four Seasons, Four Seasons um, Landscaping, the landscaping company was next door. It was in between uh, a crematorium and an adult bookstore. And not, not just books, but items. <laughs> yeah. Adult items. <laughs> yes, adult books and accoutrement. Uh, <laughs> and like, of course, they're not going to officially say this, but I mean, you know, they had to be thinking that they were going to the four seasons. They didn't check. They didn't read all the way. It was like, oh, four seasons. Boom. Here we go. So that's encouraging. It's also encouraging <laughs> that in one of the states, I can't remember where it was, if it was Nevada or Arizona, where their legal team was before the judge and they were saying that they were claiming that they're, they're they were trying to get more um, Republican poll watchers or not poll watchers, but uh, I guess count watchers to, count, to, yeah. to, to watch the count. And then the judge asked them, it was like, well, do you already have people here? Do you already have people there? And he said, he said, and before you answer that question, let me remind you that you are a member of the bar. And so I'm going to ask you one more time. Do you already have people in there um, monitoring the, the, the counting process? And I think the official response that he said, he said that, or the team said that there is a non-zero amount of Republican, uh, yeah, non-zero number of Republican uh, monitors already viewing, already viewing. So I'm like, so they already said that the whole basis of their claim is, is moot because they already have people there watching it. And I know like in, 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 in Pennsylvania specifically, they showed rooms, they had, they had coverage of the actual counting space. And whenever there's uh, like, if somebody, instead of filling in the, the circle all the way, like they write, they draw, let's say they draw an X. And so that ballot will get, it won't get counted by the machines. It'll get pushed out. So it have to get manually counted. And it goes to a table of, you know, and there, there'll be a Republican and a Democrat at that table. And then they decide together how to count that vote. And so just uh, that, that encourages me. Um, and like you said, Chelsea, like, I mean, the, this is like the one time media has been encouraging me because usually media is, just stresses me out. But this is like the one time I'm like, okay, well, at least they don't seem like not even Fox is, has been like Fox called the call the race for, for Biden. And they, they don't seem to be, to be biting uh, Trump's nonsense, not all of them. Um, but I mean, they, they, they definitely have been inter entertaining. They, it seems like they're just, they, they, it seems like they really, really want some fraudulent votes to exist, but they're not coming out, um, full force on, on his side. Um, one thing I will say, so, uh, in terms of, I'm hopeful that with the, like, this is like, I'm not talking about the transition anymore, but with this, the next administration, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm hopeful that they will, I'm hopeful that president um, elect Biden will follow through on what he said at his, his victory speech. The last thing he said was he, he gave a shout out he, to, to the, to black voters. And he said, because you have always held me down and I will not forget you. Some, something, something to that effect. I want, I am hopeful that he will make moves. I am hopeful that because that he will 
do what he can to undo the harm of the 94 crime bill and of the ravages of mass incarceration. And I'm, I believe that's a possibility because he has actually admitted that the crime bill was, was a mistake. And although Kamala Harris was known as a pretty, a pretty harsh uh, DA, like in her career as a Senator and definitely leading up to this election, she has shown herself to be, a champion of, of criminal justice reform. Um, yeah. So I am, I'm looking forward to that. And I think as a believer though, cause like, I, like I, I did mention, I was like, there are some things that, you know, do not lie with like that. I uh, believe don't, don't lie within the progressive thought at all. One of those are, I guess the thing for me is, is abortion. Like I'm, I don't, think that abortion should be like the first choice, but I definitely, I can, I, I am still, I can understand why women want that. And like, I don't think that the conservative response, which is just to, 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 to overturn Roe v. Wade and then just turned a really, really harsh, cold uh, eye to people who like, who need health care and need access to good prenatal care. Uh, and they just say, well, no, you just have your, have your baby. I'm pro-life. Um, and like, really they're just pro-birth because like after the, after the child is born, like, who, like who cares? Cause if they're, if they're, if they happen to be born black or Brown and end up, you know, a few years later getting um, shot down um, by by the police and they don't care about it. So it's a sensitive issue, but it's one that like, that's what, that's what's on my mind. Um, but like I said, I am mainly hopeful. I am excited. It's the first, like, I, I'm pretty sure President Trump has had multiple addresses, uh, multiple, given multiple speeches uh, over his tenure as president. I watched exactly zero of them. And after I watched, um, President uh, President-elect Biden's victory speech. I got online and I saw somebody's comments like, "Yo, isn't it great to have like a president?" Because like I, I said, now you actually have speeches that are worth tuning into, and I was like, "Facts, that 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 is facts." Um, because I know like politicians are politicians, and I don't think there's ever like a completely straight arrow politician. But yeah, like I said, I am. I'm hopeful for all the reasons listed above. Um, I appreciate you all for joining me once again. Uh, and like we always do, we're just going to close with prayer and you can add whatever uh, the spirit leads you to. So join us in prayer. Lord God, just thank you. Thank you. Thank you for just the relief that you have given us in terms of the outcome of this election. Father God, we know that you are our savior and no man or woman, no administration can truly accomplish your will, Father God. So I pray that you just empower and equip all, all believers to hold this administration accountable not just doing what uh, benefits us as individuals, but what is in line 
with with your will. I pray that we stand up for for justice, for your justice and your righteousness, and for 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 gospel driven progress in the name of Jesus. Amen. Man, you need good people in your life. That was a great, great time I had having that conversation with uh, my friends. And I really, really appreciate uh, Chelsea just (laughs) reminding me of the commitment I made to myself um, when I first heard about George Floyd's murder that, you know what? I, I, I ain't got time to be messing around with people who refuse to acknowledge my humanity, who refuse to accept a commitment to love their neighbors, to care for the poor, and to actually to, to, to follow that up with, with actions. Um, so I hope you all can get on that vibe as well. If you liked what you hear, please like, share, and subscribe to the podcast. And always feel free to leave a five-star review. And if you are really looking forward to my afterthoughts for the last episode and would like to help ensure that I don't have to skip content like that, consider joining the Saved and Woke Patreon page as a patron. I am relaunching the, the site um, so it's a great way for you to support the show, to allow me to empower me really to create the content that I would like to, to provide for you all to create more varied content, to bring on more guests and to be able to financially compensate guests for their time being on the show and a whole host of other things. So you can check it out at patreon.com backslash saved and woke for as little as three dollars a month you can literally power the development and growth of this show as well as gain access to exclusive behind the scenes content accessible only by my patrons so thank you so so much for taking the time to check it out and until next time keep the faith and stay woke Uh